that represents risk, which adds worry and fear. And when you remove that from your life, I'm just, I'm getting goosebumps literally as I'm talking about it. And I'm just telling you, I would love to see you in that place. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Leo Sabo and with me is my co-host. Hello everyone. It's David Thompson. We are excited that you're here with us today. We're going to continue our conversation about budget categories uh, in a typical household. And over the last couple of episodes, we talked about housing and we talked about transportation and food. And so we're going to continue our conversation to, to discuss these household budget categories to help you uh, do some different things maybe and improve this area or these categories so that you can manage them better and budget more successfully. One thing that I wanted to touch on, David, before we jump in is what you and I refer to as the 60% rule. And what that really means is that the, the three major categories are our budget, housing, food, and transportation, take up the bulk of our income. If it's more than 60%, then that's where the problem comes in. So we have this rule. Um, it's not ours. We learned it. I can't remember exactly where from, but 60% of your budget is going to go through these three areas. Anything above that, if you're housing maybe is 40%, and then when you add your food and transportation in, you're at 70 75%, it doesn't leave enough money for the rest of your budget, because there are seven other categories that you have to fund with 40%. So the idea there is if you can keep at 60% or less, that other 40% is going to allow you to have 5 to 6% for each one of the other categories, which is kind of the average what, that people spend in. So that's a good way to say, okay, do my three top categories add up to more than 60%. And then probably that's where you need to start. So anyway, yeah. just that's a, something to keep in mind, a quick way to find out if your budget is in, in trouble and needs to be some adjustments made. Yeah, yeah. Just remember that your your budget will have about 10 to 11 main categories. And that's what Leo's talking about here. Three out of those 10 take up 60%. And the other 40% come from the other seven. So those seven are going to be smaller. Um, now, you know, you're going to have subcategories and depending on how, you know, into budgeting you get, you may have a bunch of subcategories, but the whole, the overall main categories, it's going to be around 10 or 11. And, uh, and just be aware that if you go too crazy with it, that if you're married, it needs to be something that you both utilize, you both enjoy, and that you both understand. So don't get so crazy that another person couldn't possibly pull it apart and understand it. <laughs> I agree. When you have too many uh, categories and subcategories under each one of those, it's just going to get too complicated. And you, if you're the, the Excel nerd, you'll love it, but nobody else will, specifically not your spouse. So be careful. Yep. So uh, we talked about housing, food, and transportation in the last episode. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at debt and then miscellaneous spending and recreation. And so let's just start with debt. Now, we're, we're going to do other episodes, and we have done some episodes that talk about debt as a whole. So this is not the philosophy of debt, uh, but this is what it looks like in your actual budget. So Leo, um, talk to me about your net income and, and how debt works inside of this and what that looks like. Yeah, so the average net income for debt that we recommend is 0%. Uh, because <laughs> honestly, you don't really want to carry debt. Uh, now, when I say that, I'm not talking about a house or a car payment necessarily. I'm talking about revolving debt. I'm talking about credit cards, store uh, bought cards, those kind of things. Because when you carry those, then what happens is you're adding interest to it. So it makes budgeting much more difficult. So the goal here is to not have revolving debt. So we don't recommend a percentage. If you have debt, obviously that's the reality that you're faced with, but try to minimize that and eventually work your way out of that debt so that 
your income is not going toward interest payments. Yeah, let me remind you that, you know, you have the spending guideline on leosebo.com and it when you open up that budget tool, there's a second tab that has a spending guideline in it. And what, what Leo and I are recommending to you is to have zero percentage allocated towards paying debt, but we also recognize that you may already have debt. And so our goal is to help you get to the place where you have zero money allocated for debt because you're not carrying that revolving debt. You will still have your mortgage or your car payment potentially, but even over time, we want to see those be eliminated. So the reason this came out is because we are looking at successful households and over time, we want to see you be successful with money. And that means not having revolving debt. So um, Leah, let's dig a little bit more into this. Yeah. So obviously, if there's a debt category, that means that you may have some debts that you are currently having to pay. And so if that's the case, then using a debt snowball and having certain payments for each one, this is where you would track those expenses or those um, those debts that you'd have to pay every month. Obviously, you would include that in there. Also, in the course of a budget, there's a difference between having credit cards and using credit cards. And what I mean by that is if you have credit cards and have debt on them, then those debts fit into this debt category, and you're paying a certain payment to each one of these credit cards. So maybe your overall debt uh, spending for the month or what you have to allocate toward debt that you're trying to pay off, maybe it's a couple hundred dollars or maybe a few hundred dollars. So you're going to track it in this major category. However, if you have a credit card that you're using, and this is important. If you have a credit card that you're using, but you're paying it off at the end of every month, then that's okay as long as you understand that those expenses actually get allocated to the different categories in your budget. So, for instance, if you use a credit card to buy food, maybe you want to re- earn rewards with your credit card, whatever. That's that's fine. We'll talk about that and, and the benefit of that as well and the consequences of having reward credit cards sometimes. But if you do use it, there's not there's nothing wrong with using a credit card as long as you're paying it off at the end of every month and as long as those expenses are not um, that they're budgeted expenses. So if you buy food and pay with a credit card, obviously you're going to pay that credit card off at the end of the month with your checking account. Yeah, uh, Leo, you've opened up one of my favorite topics, and that is talking about credit cards and understanding the you know, the really interesting ways that our brains work and behavioral economics and some of the things that we tell ourselves, like, I'm never going to use this credit card. I just, I'm going to use it for in a emergency, emergency yeah, right? right? Like that's no the only thing. way, <laughs> no <such thing. laughs> that's the only way I'm going to touch this. And, um, and so I realized, I realized that, that that may have been a thought that went through your head. I know it's a thought that has gone through my head uh, at times. And I just want to kind of bring in a little bit of depth around the area of credit cards And this is so interesting. There's been research studies done by incredible large research firms uh, done in Bradstreet, which uh, does a lot of business research. MIT, I mean, one of the most well-known schools in the United States as far as higher education, uh, the Journal of Consumer Research. These are the people that follow what consumers actually do. Uh, And so the studies have all shown that if just, just carrying multiple credit cards and having a lot of credit cards in your wallet or owning a lot of credit cards actually causes you to make larger purchases. So if you go to Best Buy or Walmart or Home Depot, if you have five credit cards in your wallet, 
you just mentally feel like, oh, I have a lot. I have a lot with me, so I can spend a little bit more. And they've done studies that show that you will spend more, which is hilarious. Uh, they've also done studies that show that you forget what you purchased because when you swipe that card, you don't feel the pain and you don't feel the pain, so you don't remember it. And, and so, you know, the next week, you're, you're out buying again and you forget that you spent $100 on something that, that already maxed out your budget for that month in that category. So be aware that you're going to forget those purchases. One of the big things that we talk about just in society today is instant gratification versus delayed gratification. Well, when people use a credit card, they have shown that people make the purchase quicker. They're less likely to wait. And this is why online shopping has exploded so large because people just get, they see what they want. They know they can type in their credit card number and they make the purchase right then and there. There's, there's no waiting. There's no delay. And scientists have found that if you delay, you actually enjoy the purchase more and you appreciate the item more. And that's why sometimes you forget you even made the purchase because you didn't delay the gratification. Uh, another interesting thing about credit cards is that on average, people will pay 12 to 18% more when they're using a credit card versus using cash. And so when we're talking about debt and credit cards, I know it's not just credit cards, but people will often say, well, you know, I, and I actually had this at lunch uh, a couple months ago. Somebody sat down like, well, I, you know, I used my credit card for my points. And, you know, I just put everything on my credit card because I get one and a half. Maybe they got 2% back. There are a few 2% back cards out there nowadays, which is pretty neat. But if you're going to spend 12 to 18% more and not even realize it just because you're carrying multiple credit cards, you have to understand that, that although you might not think it affects you, uh, research has shown across hundreds and thousands of people that it does affect them with them out without them even realizing it. And what's the point of having a 2% cash back or points if you're spending 18% interest? You really what you're doing is you're 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 getting back 2% from the 18% you're <laughs> given to the credit card company. So, yeah, it, it it really doesn't add up. However, however, we're not against credit cards. We just want to warn you that it is, um, it's no different than having tons of options. If you have tons of options, you're going to look at them. You might even use them. So my recommendation, something that my wife and I had to do, because we started with a lot of credit card debt. That's what got us into trouble. What we had to do is minimize and only have one. So we cut all of, all of them up except for one. And over the last 24 years, we've only had one credit card. Now, we made an agreement that if we didn't pay it off at the end of the month, we would cut it up and not use it anymore. So that forced us to say, okay, if we're going to use the credit card, we have to pay it off at the end of the month. So what kind of purchases can we make on the credit card? Well, obviously, the only thing we could spend on are things that we had planned for. Mm -hmm. So there were things like vacation, things like that. But we were saving for those things. We were just using the credit card as a convenience. And yes, we do have a cashback program. I literally have made thousands of dollars from this credit card company, and they haven't gotten any interest from me. However... I'm not saying that everybody should do that. We lived off a budget, not off a credit card. And that's really the danger. So um, what should you do? Our recommendation is if you have credit card debt and you're currently paying interest, stop borrowing, pay them off. Once you've done that, then maybe have start with one credit card, make, make an agreement that if you can't pay it off at the end of the month, you are not disciplined enough. You don't have the discipline to be able to manage it and then cut it up and try again maybe later. But if you are going to use it and if you have the discipline, then it's great. It's just a form of payment, just like your debit card of your checking account, but you pay it off and every expense you make on that credit card should be tied back to your budget, something that you have the money to spend on. 
Yep. I love that. We, uh, we're not mad at you if you're using a credit card, but we want you to be aware of the dangers and potential um, overspending opportunities. And if you have a bunch of them and you, know, you put them, uh, maybe you're carrying one, your spouse carries one, you end up giving one to your children for an emergency, you know, just be aware, be aware that there's danger to that. All right. With that, I just, I want to kind of give a little bit more overall context to this debt category. On the website, leosebo.com, you can download the debt snowball tool. And that is where you're going to list out all of your debts, specifically your revolving debts. So list them out smallest to largest. And that's going to be your credit cards, your furniture loans, your car loan, your student loans, anything that you have where you owe money except for your home mortgage. You're not going to put your home mortgage on there. The calculator is not built to amortize based on that type of schedule. It actually works uh, based on the type of schedule that credit cards work off of and these other loans. So everything except for your home mortgage, you're going to put on there and it's going to give you the total amount of debt that you owe. It's going to give you the minimum monthly payment that you need to pay every month. And it's going to give you an opportunity to add a little bit more to that. And so we encourage you to add a little bit more so that you can see just how quickly you're going to pay these debts off. It is extremely helpful and it reinvigorates hope and gives you a bit of vision for the future of where you're going. So you're going to take this number at the bottom of that debt snowball tool and let's say that it says $300 a month needs to go towards debt. You're going to take that $300 and you plug that into your debt column in your budget. And that $300 is what you need to pay. Now, $300 may be 10% of your take-home pay. It may be 5% of your take-home pay. Those percentage points need to come from another category because, again, we recommend you get it down to where you have zero revolving credit and zero debt that you're paying. In our categories that we've given you, you're going to have to take from somewhere else and just be aware of that. It's a worthy sacrifice, although it is oh, yeah. a sacrifice and we recognize that. I've been in that situation and the great um, part of this is that once you pay off that last debt and whatever that percentage that you are putting toward credit cards and revolving debt is – when you get that back, 10% of your income, 15% of your income, whatever that is, when you get that back and you get to spend it for yourself and for your family, yeah. for your future, man, there's no better feeling than that. And yeah. it really helps you to understand how important it is not to get into that situation again. Yeah. It takes you a year to pay it off, but after a year, you have that 10% for the rest of your life. I mean, it's just amazing. My wife and I look at each other when we're budgeting. And we're like, what are we going to do with this excess? You know, like we don't have any debt except for our home. And we have plenty of savings and it's like, okay, Ashley, let's look at, at how we can serve somebody. Let's look at how we can give. And what's kind of fun is let's look at investing into a business. Let's look at growing her art. Let's look at growing something like this podcast. Let's look at sharing what we've learned. Yeah. And that's just fun. That's, I mean, honestly, I just want to give you some vision. It's a fun place to be to not have any debt because the debt represents risk, which adds worry and fear. And when you remove that from your life, I'm just, I'm getting goosebumps literally as I'm talking about it. And I'm just telling you, I would love to see you in that place. And I know many of you already are, but I'd love to see all of you there. Absolutely. Great point. And that's what getting money right is all about, guys. It's about helping you to understand that, you know, there's a life out there that all of us are called to live where there's no financial stress. There's no worry over money. We're just living the passion and the calling that we have because we're not tied up. Mm -hmm. We're not bound by debt and slavery to yeah. the credit card company. So that's that's our heart for you. That's something that, that David and I have lived for many years. I didn't start there, but I am there today, and I'm just 
I just want to see that replicated in every household. All right, so let's move on to the next category where we're going to talk about miscellaneous. And this is one of those categories, David, that can get people into trouble because, hey, if it doesn't fit in another category, I'll just put it into miscellaneous. Right, right. That's kind of the sentiment like, oh, that's that's a miscellaneous expense. That's a miscellaneous expense. It's a catch-all of all expenses. Yeah, and all of a sudden your miscellaneous is 10, 12, 13% when it should be potentially 5 to 7% of your overall net income. Uh, so here's a few things that should be in your miscellaneous. Uh, we definitely see gifts being in there not computer animated gifts that that show icons no gifts with a t uh your birthday gifts your anniversary gifts your christmas gifts these are the things that we want to see in there um a few other miscellaneous items might be yeah things like subscriptions to magazines or or different things that you you know have whether it's electronic things or or literally uh, magazines uh dry cleaning right if you if your work uh, requires that you wear fancy clothes that need to be dry clean. Obviously, you have to set money aside for that. Kids' allowances. This is this is a big one. My wife and I uh, began to teach our children how to manage their money. So definitely consider putting something aside to teach your kids about money as you're learning. And then probably the the one that many people don't assign money to is miscellaneous itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So miscellaneous is an overall category because. We don't want to have a separate category for subscriptions and for Christmas gifts right. and for anniversary gifts. So we kind of lump them all in there. But there is a category that my wife and I have realized we need to have, and that is miscellaneous. There's things that happen, and they're random things. Mm-hmm. It could be ink for your printer at home. It could be, gosh, anything that's around the home that's not like a an upgrade or a piece of furniture or something that you have to replace. They're just little knickknack things that you have to buy from time to time. I think the term you're looking for, Leo, is Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> that is a miscellaneous. How could you ever anticipate that no, once I, a year I, they're going to come around? I have to disagree. We have to stick to the plan. No, no, that's food actually, and it's the, oh, you know, the, okay. it's non-essentials too. Oh. Anyway, but you should should definitely allocate for that, David, because you have to enjoy life. But here's my point, guys: you have to have something set aside, but don't make it a large number. My wife and I, over the years. Our income's grown, but that number stayed pretty close to about sixty to seventy, eighty dollars max. Yeah. Because again, it's it's only to catch different things that may come up that it just doesn't fit anywhere else. Yep. So uh, under the gift giving category, uh, I have I ran into this over and over and over again when I was counseling people. I can I can just picture actually the faces that I've sat across the table from, and and after a while of talking about gifts. Everybody that I talked to said, no, I, you know, zero. I, we're, we're in a pinch. Things are tight. We don't give anything in gifts at, all year long. And I'd look at them <laughs> and I'd say, yeah, okay. Don't think so. so. Yeah, don't think so. You know, you're not going to give your spouse a birthday gift? No, no, no. We agreed. No birthdays this year. Okay, you're not going to give your mom a birthday gift? No, no, no. Did you tell your mom you're not going to give her a birthday gift? <laughs> you know, like, like, did you tell her? And and I don't mind if you if you dramatically reduce the gifts category. I think that's that can be a really good thing. But you have to communicate that in advance of someone's birthday to say, look, you're my best friend. I love you. I care about you. Uh, in this season, I'm pulling back on gifts. So can I just can I just spend time with you? Can we go to the park and feed the ducks with a dollar loaf of bread? I mean, you know, uh, you, your parents, can I just come over and play board games with my family instead of, you know, a big gift this year? Christmas. There are ways to celebrate these events without a lot of money, but you've got to talk about it in advance 
or you need to plan it in advance. And so what I did after, I don't know how many, 10, 15 counseling sessions, I finally just built a gift planning form and I put birthdays and Christmas and anniversary and Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, talk about upcoming weddings, graduations, baby showers. I put these onto an Excel sheet that is very simple, not not complex and annoying. And then I put cross-reference on there, your spouse, yourself, your parents, your siblings, your kids, your friends. Let's look at the people in your life that you're going to plan to give gifts to this year and just put it onto this Excel sheet. So as you type in different numbers, it totals it up for you automatically. And then it tells you how much you should be saving monthly. And so Ashley and I actually, we did this several years ago, uh, just about a month ago, we went back and redid this because we have added some family members through marriage in our family. And it's been awesome and it's exciting. And so now we need to budget for those people. We love them. We want to show that we love them. And I'll tell you this, we've also been mature and communicated with both of our families up front. This is what we spend on birthdays. This is what we spend on Christmas. We love you, but this is as far as our budget can allow in this current season of our lives. And it's been really healthy. It's created for good conversations. We've had other people in our family say, thank you. You know, we couldn't spend very much on gifts, but we didn't know how to say that until you started the conversation. That's a really good point, David, because we ran across the same thing uh, when we were trying to get our finances in order. We had to have that conversation, just as you said, with our family, especially as Christmas was getting close. We're mm-hmm. like, guys, we, we just can't can't afford it. We were paying for last Christmas before this Christmas hit. And I said, I'm sorry. I know this is a tradition for us, but we just cannot do it. And it wasn't a great conversation. I think at first people just thought, well, you're just trying to be cheap. But in the end, it really was a blessing to everybody because they all came back and said, man, this is this has saved us thousands. Because yeah. we had you yeah. know, we had nieces and nephews, and we just had this huge thing. It would take hours to open all the gifts. And we recognized it just really wasn't that much of a value, yeah. and we were all struggling to try to keep up. Yeah, and and then you let materialism creep in little bit by little bit into the family uh, for the young kids who you want to learn to value the really important things in life. Now, I'm not I'm not against getting kids good toys and good gifts, but but you just want to be aware of what you're doing as well. Balance. balance. A little bit of balance is great. Balance. That's a great word. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's look at recreation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next category is the recreation category. And on average, you'll see your personal spending guideline, but on average, it's 5 to 7% of net income. And, you know, recreation is something that I love. I love having money to go do fun stuff. And almost uh, pretty much every budget should have a little bit of recreation. Even if you're super tight, things are on the line. I want you to have a little bit in there so that you feel like you can breathe, you know, that you can feel, hey, this is this is okay to enjoy a little bit of what I have received through the income, through the work that I've done. And so uh, for Ashley and I, we both have an allotted amount at the beginning of the month that we get in cash and we can spend however we want. It's her recreation money. She can go to lunch. She can, I was about to say she can get her haircut, but our haircuts are actually in another category and we've planned for those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, she can, she can go to lunch. She could buy a gift for a friend when you have an office coworker who's having a bad day and you want to buy them lunch. You want to buy them, um, a little gift card and just tell them you love them. You know, it's recreation. It's fun. It's an easy little category for you to take care of yourself. Uh, and so Ashley and I both have that where we both get cash at the beginning of the month. We also have an entertainment category. Uh, we plan date nights. We care about our marriage. <laughs> we, you know, we care about spending time with each other. So we put money in for movies. 
We put money in, uh, now it's in one category, but I'll tell you how it breaks down. You know, we go to movies, we go to shows at the theater, like plays, you know, we'll go to a ball game. We'll do, I don't know, coffee on the weekends. Some, some on the weekend we'll go uh, get breakfast in the morning together, but we call it recreation. You know, it's a, it could be a food category and eating out, but we call it recreation for ours. And, uh, and then last but not least is your vacation. Vacation fits under recreation and you need to have a plan in place. Again, I'm talking to people, I'm looking them in the eyes and they're like, no, I never go on vacation. Mm. And I'm like, well, didn't just about 30 minutes ago, you tell me that you visited your mom in Vancouver, you know, last year. Well, yeah, but that wasn't a vacation. That's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It may not have been a vacation, but you need to have money in the budget to plan for it. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess I did spend yeah. you know, $300 on the ticket, $200 on hotel rooms, $100 on a rental car, and $500 on food for the whole family while I was there. I'm like, whoa, like, you need to plan for that. That's $100 a month that needs to be planned for the annual trips that you go to see your parents, your siblings, or you know, go, f- go have fun on vacation. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. And every single one of those categories are part of my recreation category, my wife and I. And probably the one that I think, like you touched on the vacation, I think too many people, especially when they're in a financial difficulty, they just kind of stop. They think, we cannot afford it. We can't do it. We're not even going to think about vacation. But here's the thing. You will eventually do it. You'll take a trip. You may not go on a seven-day cruise with your whole family. You may not go to Mexico or Caribbean, but you will spend $1,000, $2,000 on a trip because nobody can go very long without being recreated. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what really what that means is we have a chance to take a break. Just like the weekend helps you to get rest so you can go back in on Monday and give it another strong week and produce whatever you're called to do. In the same way, you have to take time at least once or twice a year to just take a break, a week, yeah. two weeks. And we Americans are not very good at this. I think we can learn some more from the Europeans who hmm. usually take about a month off in the summer. Uh, maybe maybe more. I've seen some yeah. that take more. And I, I think it's a great thing, but you cannot do it unless you're planning for it. So that's why it's a category in the budget. What I see the most that really I think is a is a real danger for people is that they don't allocate money for everything that they need in their budget. Because things are tight or because they, they're spending too much in another area, maybe their house payment is bigger than it should be. And they're like, well, we have a nice home and we don't really like to travel, so we're just going to stay home and have a nice house with a nice swimming pool. Okay, that's great for a while, but over time, you have to get away from your normal routine. You you will take a vacation, and you need to set money aside for that. So if your budget, if you're looking at your budget and you're looking at all these different categories, and there's these subcategories have zero amounts set aside for it, that's a red flag to me. You should have money set aside for Christmas gifts, for other types of gifts, for vacation, for recreation. And if you don't, kind of leaving the door open for overexpense. Because since you're not putting money aside for it, you will spend it. And when you do, you spend money you don't have because yeah. you didn't set aside for it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and it doesn't have to be a big vacation. You know, if you're just married, you're just getting started in life, and you don't have a ton of money, then just drive three hours to the next major city and, and experience a new city and some time away from work. Uh, if you have plenty of income, then try an international trip. But but take that time. You know, find find ways to break away and be fulfilled and rested. So I'll give you just one little thing from Ashley and I. You know, personally, 
it took having a really good budget in place for me to feel comfortable spending on vacation. It was hard for me. I didn't grow up going on a lot of vacations. And so that was harder for me. And I had to learn to rest and relax and to let go and to use money to enjoy. And I had to learn that. So there are some people in the audience right now that you're like, vacation, you know, that's crazy. No one needs that. I'm telling you, I had to learn it. I, I sided with you at the beginning of this journey, and I have learned the value and the joy of vacation. There are some people in the audience right now that vacation is one of your top five love languages. And, you know, it, you know it's like physical touch and, and you know, words of affirmation, and I need to go on vacation. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know what it is for you, but... But I'm just telling you, if, if you're the person who needs that vacation, give your give your significant other time to warm up to that. Uh, but if you're the type of, type of person that struggles to go on vacation, realize that this is healthy, this is normal, and it's good to, to plan something for it, even if it's small at first. So, uh, you know, today we got to chat on uh, debt and walking through the miscellaneous and the recreation categories. In our next episode, we'll be looking at child expenses and savings and giving. And then we're going to wrap up this budget category, um, couple the series that we did. And so I just want to thank you for joining us in this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And you can subscribe to our podcast while you're there. That's huge for us. Don't forget, you can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms. I share it on Facebook and Instagram personally. So please, please do that as well. And last but not least, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we can keep getting getting money money right. get that back 10% of your income 15% of your income whatever that is when you get that back and you get to spend it for yourself and for your family for your future man there's no better feeling than that